Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. Well, come on. Does anybody here love Jesus? Can we make a little bit of noise? Put your hands together for King Jesus in this place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that video. It's a video that a friend of ours church had, had done a few years ago, and it meant so much to me. And I just felt like, obviously, instead of reading today uh, the scripture straight from the Bible, obviously that was read from the Bible, but I thought it would be just a good picture of this story that I think a lot of us have heard before. But I want to start really quick by just asking really fast, how many of y'all have ever lost something really, really valuable in your life? Come on, somebody, wave at me if you have. I think we all have, right? I think there's always been a time, uh, I'll just tell you the ADHD in me loses stuff all the time. How many of y'all lose your keys all the time? Come on, wave at me. We in the same boat together. How many of y'all lose your wallet or whatever all the time? Anybody out there? I think we all can do that. I'll just tell you, Allie, one thing that she loses all the time is her phone. Like, legit, we searched yesterday uh, for an hour and a half looking for her phone, calling it, not knowing where it was because the thing was lost, right? And, and so I just wanted to talk to us this weekend. We're in the last week of our series uh, l- called Help I'm. Everybody say help. Help I'm. We've talked about a few things over the last couple of weeks, and I just want to bring it to us today. And I want to welcome everybody that's watching in online. Can we put our hands together right here in the room, welcoming everybody that's watching online? I love that. Or maybe you're listening to the podcast. Once you know, we love you. We're glad that you're here. And we've been doing a, a few-week series called Help I'm, and we've been walking through some things I think a lot of us struggle with. I think there's some things out there that many of us deal with. Week one, we talked about Help I'm Depressed, right? Help I'm Depressed, and we talked about a lie in the life of an incredible prophet that loved God, but but he had a season where he wanted to die. He felt like he wanted no longer to be able to to, to live. Uh, So we talked about that week one. Week two, we talked about being tired. Somebody say, oh, all right, you yawning like that, but that's what your soul does, and my soul does all the time whenever we don't get the proper rest, right? We don't get that, and we can only find that rest in Jesus, in God, and he provides that, and we talked about that week two. Last week, we talked about something I think a lot of us deal with, help, I'm broke, come on somebody, right? How many broke people we got in the room? Okay, a lot. Okay, you ain't got to raise your hand. It's okay, all right? But, but I'll just tell you, we talked about the last week about how can we get God's spirit on our money, right? Because our our money is kind of neutral. We don't, it's not neutral. There is a spirit one way or another on your money. You've either got God's spirit on it. We talked about the spirit of mammon, right, that will lie to us and say that money is going to make us happy, make us feel significant, but that God is asking us to return the first, steward the rest. We talked about that last week, but this week, what I want to share with us, and I just feel this on the inside of me this week specifically, because this chapter in the Bible is so important to our church, because this is where our core values 
came from. Like this is the chapter when we were talking about Purpose Church and uh, what Purpose Church will be doing right here in Murray and Callaway County and beyond uh, through the internet and through podcasts and wherever God calls us to go through next. As we plant multi-site, if God calls us to do that, I believe he will. But, but uh, what that looks like and what I feel like God has called us to, this chapter right here embodies all of it. Like from start to finish, it embodies all of it. And so our core values, Jesus is our point, people are our heart, celebration is our response. Those things come from right here. So this chapter is really special to me. And so if you want to, when you get home today, I'm going to kind of give us an overview of this entire chapter. But I believe it also not just encompasses the whole idea of what Purpose Church is about. I believe this encompasses the whole idea of what God is about. And so what I want us to know is that as uh, we start off, we didn't read it, but it was, it was read to us. That is Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. And what I want us to understand is that Jesus is speaking to some people in a house. And I want you to know uh, that they're asking the same question that you and I ask a lot of times. is, hey, what's God like and what does he think about me? Right? What is God like and what does he think about me? And so Jesus is in the room with all kinds of people and he begins to explain this idea uh, of what God is like and what also does God think about you. And so there's two types of people in the room. Everybody hold up a two like this. Let me me see your hands. Two, two, two. Okay, Uh, so there's two types of people that are there hanging out with Jesus at this moment. We're going to read that together. That's actually in Luke chapter 15, verse 1. We find out who all is in the room when Jesus is trying to explain who God is, right, and what God is like and what God thinks about people. So look at uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 1. It says this, that tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus, and this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them is what the Bible tells us. So The Bible tells us right there that there's two types of people that are in the room when Jesus is speaking about what God is like and what he thinks about other people. So so again, I want us to know that right off the bat we got tax collectors and we got other notorious sinners. You know what that means? They were real famous for sinning, all right? You know what that means? They were good at sinning. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all, that's some of your past in the room, right? I think all of us have had a moment in time where we're really good at sinning. These were notorious sinners, known for sinning, known for the things that they did that were awful. That's in the room, right? Shady tax collectors, prostitutes, notorious sinners, people that to society back then were unacceptable. And guess what they did? They liked Jesus. I love that, right? so, So a lot of times, so many times, people in our world and in our life What I think about is that so many people uh, who are out there sinning and doing this and doing that and and running after the world, well, guess what? They don't really like church people a whole lot, right? That's just one thing that happens. They just really don't like church people. But Jesus was thought of highly by people that weren't associated with God. I love that. That should teach us something, that there should be some value with that coworker that you have there, that you can influence somebody around you that may not believe just like you right now, but that you can be around them and you can love them and you can serve them just like Jesus did, right? I love that Jesus was around notorious sinners and he was around all kinds of people, right? Just all kinds of people like that. And so you got notorious sinners and tax collectors on one side of the room. That's y'all. No, I'm just kidding. That's not this side of the room. Uh, but come on, y'all got to laugh with me a little bit this morning. All right, somebody like, how did he know what I did yesterday? It's okay. 
But I want you to know, like, like, that's one side of the room. The other side is full of Pharisees and the teachers of religious law, right? So they're complaining about Jesus even associating with those, with those people over there, right? Like, you don't even be around them people. Jesus, why? You, you say you're a man of God, and back then you would kind of know that, that they were a man of God by the way they carried themselves, by the, the way that they dressed, by all the ways that, that they acted. And so they're looking at Jesus trying to wonder, okay, hey, you, you're saying all this stuff. You're saying that you're the son of God. I don't know that I believe that because you're over there hanging out with those kind of people. And why would they take Jesus at his word? Why would they do that? I just believe if we look at scripture, Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that, that Jesus is God. Right, that Jesus is God. Like, like, why are we? Why is He able to answer the question, "What is God like?" You know why? Because Jesus is God, right? And so, what we're going to talk about even next week is is a series we're calling the Holy Spirit. And so, what you need to know is that we serve a triune God. That's kind of a big word to say. He's three gods in one that that are three different functions, but it's one God. We're going to talk about it. It's going to be a lot of fun next week. Got to experiment. That I saw another pastor named Pastor Mike Todd do, and it blew my mind. I'm going to show it to you next week, and it's going to be a lot. Of fun but I'll just tell you like what is God like guess what if we want to know what God is like you know what we got to do look no further than the life of Jesus right if we want to know what God is like we got to look at Jesus so Jesus stands up in front of everybody all kinds of people just like there is in this room all kinds of people all walks of life just like the people that are watching online and what he begins to do is he begins to show them what God is like he begins to teach them he begins to tell stories about what God is like and I don't know if you've ever answered that question for yourself what is God like and what does he think about me? But let's look no further than Jesus and the words that he uses to describe what God is like and what God actually feels and believes about you. I can't wait to look at that together. And so Jesus begins the narrative, if you think about it, in, in Luke chapter 15. He begins talking about this first thing, this first story that he tells is, is a story of the lost sheep. Somebody say, bad. Okay, I didn't know if y'all were going with me, but I'm glad you went there, all right? So, so, so he starts talking about this fact that there's a lost sheep and that there, there's a shepherd that has a hundred sheep and, and uh, all the 99 are over here. He's counting one, two, three, four, 98, 99. Where's the hundred one? Where's he at, right? And what happens is, is Jesus is telling the story that, that, that God is like leaving the 99. They're good. They're saved. They're, they're valuable. They're loved. But guess what? He's going to go after the one that is lost. And so he leaves the 99. They're going to be okay. He's going to come back to him. He's going to bring that hundred sheep with him. And he's going to go after and chase after the one. This is what I want you to write down. This is what I want you to understand. This is where I just believe even the heartbeat of our church and the things that we are called to do as, as purpose church. We're called to connect people to Jesus, help them live on purpose. But this is the thing that I want to challenge us that what Jesus begins to say that God is like is that God loves everybody equally, but the lost are the priority. Got to understand that, that God loves everybody equally. He died for all. He loves all, but the lost are the priority. He loved all 100 sheep equally, but the lost was his priority. That's how Jesus begins speaking to this crowd, right? He begins doing that. So right after this story, tells the story of the lost sheep, he starts another story, and it's the story of the lost coin. And so this lady has some coins, and she actually loses one. And so what happens is... 
And she says, oh, I got all of those other coins, but guess what? I'm going to go after the lost one. And so she flips her house upside down. She cleans it. She's doing everything. She's moving her furniture around. She's doing whatever she can to find the lost coin. She's doing that. And when she finds it, the Bible tells us, and Jesus is explaining this, he says that when she finds it, they actually throw a huge party. They celebrate because the thing that was lost is now found. And so, again, Jesus is answering, hey, what is God like? What does he think about me? And so I want us all to understand that this is Jesus explaining this to us in phrases called lost, right? So today's title of today's message, I don't think I even told you that, was help, I'm lost. Help, I'm lost. And, and this is what I think about when we finally get to Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And it's the video that we started off the sermon with. It's this idea of this word prodigal that actually Jesus never uses, right? Jesus not one time uses the word prodigal. He says, here's a story about a lost son. So I think we need to understand something. This is the story of the lost son. I think we've deemed it the prodigal son, but... I think for so many of us, we just think one of the sons was lost. But we're going to talk about that in just a second, all right? Because this is what I know. And there's a few themes I think Jesus is trying to get across to us, trying to encourage us with, trying to say, hey, this is what God is like. This is what God thinks about you and I. And he tells these stories. And when he's telling the story of the lost son, I believe he's going to speak a couple of themes to you and I. And I want to point those out to us today. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right, this is what the first thing I think Jesus is trying to explain to you and I. Number one is all are lost. I think we got to realize that. I think we've got to start there, right? we got to start realizing that all are lost. In this story right here, there are two sons that are there, right? There's two sons, and I want you to understand that both sons are actually lost. Both of them are actually lost, and the reason that that matters to you and I, I think we have to understand something, is that every single human being that's ever been born here on earth, that we are all born lost. We're all born separated from God. Nobody is better than anybody else when it comes to this thing called sin because we're all sinners and we're all born lost. And so Jesus is explaining this. He's talking to the crowd and he wants it to be really clear of how does God feel about me. He wants all of us to understand from the very beginning that all are lost. The Bible tells us no one is righteous, no not one, right? So all of us are born into this thing called sin and we're born lost. And so in order to tell the story of how lost we are, he tells the story of the two sons, of the two brothers. And he says that these brothers are almost like the people that are listening in the room, right? At the time when Jesus is speaking, he's like, you know what? I want you to understand. We got the notorious sinners. We've got the, the tax collectors. We've got the prostitutes on this side of the room. And we got the religious. We've got the self-righteous. We've got the, hey, it's all about my works on this other side of the room. And so what I want us to start thinking about and what I want you just to process for just a second is which son am I like? Right, start asking yourself that, which son am I like? Because every single one of us in this room, we all have a tendency to be like one of the sons more than the other. I think about it as we talk about this story really quick, the story of that first son that we're introduced to. He's the youngest son, and he approaches his dad, and he says, Dad, you know what? I want all of my inheritance that's due to me whenever you die. 
You know what he was pretty much saying to his dad? And I can't imagine just the hurt that this would be as a dad myself. Like, can you imagine just your son or your daughter coming up to you and saying, you know what, I really don't want a relationship with you. I really want just a relationship with your stuff. So if we can go ahead and just get that out of the way, I pretty much really wish that you were dead. And I just want the things that you can give me. Can you imagine what that was like? And what's so crazy to me is that the father grants him his wish. Right? The father grants that to him, and I think about that so many times. He liquidates his assets, and he splits it up, and he gives the youngest son his inheritance and, and, and what happens that's going to come to him when his father dies, but he gives it to him. And so this youngest son, what's he do? The Bible tells us, and just like the video said, that he goes sprinting off in the other direction, away from his father, takes all of his wealth, all of his inheritance, and he runs after sin with everything that he's got. He's running after the things, I'm talking drinking, drugs, sex, and just a notorious sinner for a season, right? We see that taking place right there with the first son, and he finally gets to a point in verse 17, if you read actually in the scriptures, where he runs out of money, runs out of food, no one is there to help take care of him, he's at wit's end, he's working with the pigs, and he's wanting to eat what the pigs are eating, y'all. That's some nasty stuff, all right? That's some slop. That just sounds like a nasty word. You know what I'm saying? Slop is just nasty. But that's what he was doing. He was like, man, I just want to eat what they're eating. And you got to understand something. I learned something this week as I was reading my Bible with this particular passage of Scripture that I want to share with you is that you got to understand for a Jewish person that doesn't get around meat, a pork, doesn't eat pork, doesn't want any association with pork. It's a split hoof. No, no, they want nothing to do with it. Understand that the son is in the lowest spot that he could ever be in. He's in the lowest of society in his Jewish culture is where he finds himself. And he's lost in the misery of his rebellion. And maybe you've been there. And I, I think there are so many people probably in this room watching online or listening on the podcast that that is, that may be where you find yourself right now. And what I think is so wild about God is that he lets us run and he lets us chase after and he lets us go after the things of this world so many times and get to the very end of ourselves in order to realize that he is the only thing that we have that can truly satisfy us. I think that's so incredible about God that, that he lets us do that because he wants us to know, he wants us to find out that no amount of money, no amount of drug, no amount of relationship or scholarship or perfect job can ever satisfy like Jesus Christ can satisfy. Is there anybody thankful for Jesus in this room? Can we give him a shout of praise all over this place? If you're watching online, throw up some praise hands. I like that. Listen, so we find the first brother, youngest brother, chasing after these things, and he's found himself lost. And now the second brother's mentioned. He's the oldest brother, and we don't know that much about him because he's kind of talked about later on in the, actual, uh, in the actual story that's going on. But we do know a few things about him is that the older brother stayed and the older brother was working and the older brother was serving the father. But what he was was he was actually lost in his own conduct and his own self-righteousness and his own works, right? He didn't run off sinning. He had stayed there with the father working hard. But at the end, what you understand is we see his heart revealed 
when this other brother comes back home, when the other son comes back home. So really, a lot of that working and a lot of stuff was pretty much in vain because his heart showed where his true heart was and that the older brother really didn't care about his father or want a relationship with his father either. We see that even at the end of the story, that he didn't necessarily want a relationship with the father. He was outside of the party. He didn't want to go in. So I think what we have to understand is he is lost thinking that he deserves a blessing from the father because he's earned it, because he was good enough. Dad, my younger brother went out there and blasted like, our name all over the streets. Like, like all of that, he was out there part. He squandered all the stuff that you gave him that you worked your whole life for. And here I've been. I've been doing the exact things that you want me to do the entire time, and you're going to treat me like this? Right? That's the older brother's heart and the mentality so he was living in a world that, that where he actually didn't want a relationship with the father. He didn't. He didn't want it. He, he would rather have the stuff too. He was like, hey, you hadn't even killed a little, little, bitty, little bitty calf for me, but you killed a fattened calf for, for your son. Like, where's mine in all of this? Where am I? And the older brother is lost. And so I don't know where you find yourself on the spectrum. I think as Jesus was speaking, he would be speaking to both ends of the spectrum and whether you find yourself lost in in, in self-righteousness and I can earn it and I can be good enough to earn the love of the Father or you find yourself lost in the misery of rebellion, Jesus wants us to understand what is God like? He wants us to know that we're all lost, that we're all born into sin, that we're all separated from Him. But thank God the story doesn't just stop there, right? Because he goes on, I want the next thing I want you to know, and I want you to get on the inside of you, is that not only are all are lost, guess what? All are pursued. All are pursued. That's the next theme I think Jesus is trying to get to you and I, and get us to understand, get us to get on the inside of us of what God is really like, and what does he actually think about us, is that all are pursued. you got to think about this youngest brother. You got to think about him really quick. I, I, I love this story so much, and I just put myself in this story. And I was just, just thinking as I was watching it down there a second ago, sitting next to Allie, like, man, that's my story. I, I was running from God. I was far from God. And I can just imagine being that son as he starts to say, you know what? I'm doing all of this. My dad has servants back home that eat just fine that are taken care of, that work for a great man. You know what I'll do? I'll just go home and be a servant. I don't even have to be a son. I don't have to have anything. I just want to be a servant of my dad's house. And we see at the son, it says, came to his senses, right? That's what the scripture tells us, that he came to his senses and he decided to go home. And so the son starts to make his way home. And what I love about it, just picture it in your head, is just imagine, like I see that dad sitting on that front porch and just kind of that horizon as it curves over a little bit. And I can just imagine that dad sitting out there every single day wondering if his son was going to come home or not and thinking about that one son that had ran away if he was going to come back. And I can just picture that one day, him glazing over the top of the hill. And it's probably like, y'all know like, like on the movies where like it's like blazing. You know what I'm talking about? Like the sun is like blazing. Like you see the little whatever them things are. Okay, like you see it. And I can just imagine the sun you know, like slow-mo, like, like the movies, just starting to come. There's the top of his head, and then there's a torso, and his whole body's over the top of that hill. And I can imagine that scene in my head when this is taking place. And what we see in the story is that the father, what does he do? He drops everything, and he runs after his son. Right? He sprints after, after him. He pursues him. And what I want you to understand is that this is not going to happen in Jewish culture. 
I want you to understand that an older Jewish man ain't going to be running. That is just a no-no in that culture. Not only that, but boy had to hike up his skirt he was probably wearing, show his legs, which you don't do in Jewish culture as a man, and sprint after his son. I want us to understand that this is scandalous what this dad is doing, right? This is crazy what this guy is up to, that he is pursuing the son. And I think about it so much. I think about what happens, and I think Jesus is trying to communicate to you and I what God is like. He's saying he's not like a father that would be like, oh, okay, yeah, you're back there in, the, in like the, the second to last row. Won't you make your way up here as fast as you can? You know what the Father is like? You know what God, like I believe Jesus is saying that God is like? This is the Father. This is what he does. Hey, I'm coming for you. Listen, I know you're in the second row from the back, but I'm coming all the way back here to let you know that you are loved and you are pursued and that you are my son, right? So that's what, come on, we in the crowd today. I'm just going to be out here in this thing. This is fun. But you got to understand that that's the love of the fathers, that he's not waiting. I about died. He's not waiting on you to come. What's the father doing? He's pursuing you. He's coming after you. He's running after you. And I want you to know that that's the love of the Father. That that's the love of the Father. And I don't care what you've done, where you've been, how long you've been there. That's the pursuit of a Father for you. That's the pursuit of God. What is Jesus trying to answer? What is God like? This is what God is like. And that all, I didn't know I'd be that out of breath, just running that, that little, but here we are, all right? That God is pursuing you. I think about what Philippians chapter 2 has to tell us about who Jesus is. Philippians 2, 6 says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, though he was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to hold on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. You know what he did? He pursued you and I. He, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being and when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Is there anybody in this room so your boy can catch his breath? But more importantly, that we can give it up for King Jesus, that he pursued us, that he came after us. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's give it up for King Jesus. Yeah, listen, I want us to know, though, that the father didn't just pursue the youngest son. you got to understand he also pursued the older, older brother, the oldest son as well. We see again that the older brother heard some commotion going on. He's working. He hears some commotion going on back in the house and around there. And what happens is he asks one of the servants, hey, what's going on? What's that? You know, like, what is that? Like, what is that? Why is that happening? And uh, the servant's like, hey, well, you didn't hear like your brother who was gone, like he has now come home. They thought he was dead, but now he's alive. Isn't that crazy? And so the brother, the oldest brother, the oldest son is so upset that he is not going anywhere near the party. And if you look at verse number 28, what do you see the father do? You see a heart of a father is to go after and pursue the oldest son. And he begs him, he says, hey, 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 listen to me. Don't let your self-righteousness and your pride keep you from celebrating. Don't let yourself do that. Don't let your attitude miss the entire love of the father. Like the father was pursuing both.
both sons. And what I want to encourage us today is that you and I are being pursued and that you and I have been invited to the party, that you have been invited to be a part of the family of God. And a lot of times if we're a Christ follower for a long time, we can look at the church and we can say, you know what, Uh, that may be for somebody else, like getting all excited and worshiping hard or getting excited when somebody else meets Jesus. That's great and all, but here's the deal. That's not really for me, but I want you to know that you and I were pursued by a loving father. That he was willing to run. He was willing to be scandalous with the grace that he had for you and I. And say, you know what? I'm going to go after them. I don't have to do this, but I'm going to go after them. Because the father wants a relationship with you and me. And so what I love about that is as a church, guess what? Celebration's our response. You know why? Because one person comes to know Jesus. Because one person comes home. We're going to party like it's 1999. And Princeton had no idea what he was talking about because there ain't no party like a church party when one person comes to Jesus, right? It's going to be a celebration. We're going to celebrate that because, again, God loves everybody equally, but the lost are his priority. I think this is a mandate for the church. I think it's a challenge for the church. Guess what? Yes, our job is to, to introduce people to Jesus. They're to meet Jesus. They're to find some freedom. They're to discover why they're here, and then they're to start it all over and go out and make a difference and serve people and get to know more about what Jesus loved and more about what Jesus wanted and go out and make a difference wherever they go. I want us to know that all are pursued. Somebody say all are pursued. The last thing, and if Kyle could come up here really quick, that would be awesome, is this last thing I want to tell you is that all are loved. All are loved. Not not only uh, uh, do we see that, you know what, all are lost. Not only do we see that all are pursued, but we have to understand that all are loved. Watch what the Bible tells us about this youngest son, about this youngest brother. Is that the father pursued the son. He ran after him. And what did he do? He embraced him, he hugged him, and he kissed him because he was so excited because his lost son was now home. I love that. The son starts going through this apology and all the reasons why he shouldn't be considered a son anymore and what does the father do ah stop right there stop talk to the hand right stop stop right there no 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 come on somebody bring him the best robe and put it on his back somebody put that ring hey put it on his finger somebody give that boy give him jesus sandals all right then like give him some sandals for his feet you know what we're gonna do kill that fattened calf because you know why we're gonna party because a son that i had lost is now home. The son that was dead is now alive. And I want us to know there's a few key things right there that the father displayed his love and gave to his son by giving him a couple things. Y'all ready to go deep for a second? Y'all ready? Here we go. You ready? The robe right there. I want you to understand what the robe signified. The robe signified identity and position. Think about it. He probably still smelled like pig. Right? He probably still smelled like the party. He probably was hung over dealing with some, uh, some sort of addiction side effect as he's walking back to his father. He looked rough. He looked ragged. But what does the father do? He embraced him, and he hugged him, and he kissed him. And this is what I want us to hear, and this is what I want you to know, is that the father is not intimidated by his son's filth. 
The father is not intimidated by his son's grossness. And I don't know where you are or where you think that you might be, but the father God is not intimidated by your grossness. The father God is not intimidated by how far that you ran or what you smell like or what you did last night. The father is not intimidated by that. God doesn't expect you and I to clean up before we come to him. Instead, what does he do? He clothes us in righteousness. He clothes us with a new identity. He clothes us with a new position. No, son, you're not going to be a slave. You know what you are? I'm restoring you to being a son of the king, of the son of the father. That's what the father was communicating is that his son, you are no longer a slave to that because you're my kid. You're my son. I love that, that that new identity was wrapped around that son of who he was. I think about the ring, uh, and I think about the signet ring is what it was called. And a signet ring, what that would actually stand for when he said, hey, come put that ring on his finger. So if there was ever a, a land deal that was worked out where they purchased land or did something or a contract that happened or a marriage that took place, I want you to understand that that signet ring would be on that father, that patriarch's finger, and he would stamp whatever document was signed or whatever it was. And what I want you to understand is that signet actually stood for significance, actually stood for authority. And again, the patriarch in the family would wear that ring. And if you were going to purchase land, do any of that, that's what you had on your finger. And so what the father was telling the son, and what I love about this is that you're not just an everyday, ordinary person. No, no, no. You're going to walk in significance. You walk around wherever you go, and you got that ring on, guess what you're doing? You're representing me. That you're walking around as if I'm walking with you, and you're stamping your authority. You're stamping your significance on everything that I'm calling you to walk into. And I think so many times Christians you got to understand that you and I are carrying the signet ring of Christ that you and I are royal ambassadors that we are a priesthood that we are called that we are set apart you know why so that we can represent Jesus in everything that we do the way we live the way we talk the way we love the way we associate with notorious sinners the way we love Pharisees whatever we do we are to carry the spirit of our God that's what you and I are called to. You're called to, to the significance and authority that God has given you. Hey, put a robe on his back. Put a ring on his finger. Next one I want you to do, put some sandals on his feet, right? What I think about is, is the fact that he had to come home and he was probably barefooted. I don't know if he got beat up and those taken off of him or he had sold them in order to get something else or whatever happened. But can you imagine just for a second, him coming home with no shoes on. you got to realize that this is the desert. This is nasty, like this dusty streets and, and animal feces all over the place because, you know, they have roads and stuff. And so here he is walking through that. You know what the father was telling the son in that moment? I'm restoring you to your rightful place in this house. The sandals meant restoration. It also meant readiness to wherever I call you to take your feet and wherever I tell you to go, that's where you need to go, right? And so we see the father saying, you know what? I, I, this is safe. 
made for the, the really, the, the man, the patriarch of the house was the only one that was supposed to wear any sort of shoes around anybody else. So what was the dad saying to his son? I'm restoring you, son, as the fullness of the heir that you are in this house, that you are a son, that you are a kid, that you are a master in this house. What's Jesus saying here is that the father wants to give you a new identity position, significance, authority, and also wants to restore you to the very purpose that he created you for. That's what this story is telling us. That's what this Luke chapter 15 is why it means so much to me. It's because there's so many of you that are walking around and you're lost, but just know that you've been pursued by a God that loves you, that all are loved, but this is the kicker. Only some respond. Only some respond. I think about this story. We don't really find out an ending of this story, do we? Right, it kind of just kind of cuts off right there, right? I wonder, that's probably one of the questions I'm going to ask God. God, why did that happen? What, what happened? What happened after that? But I think for so many of us, what, what that happened for was because I believe it's yours and my choice of what are we going to do. What are we going to do with the love that we were pursued with even though we were lost? Think about both sons. How did they both respond when that happened? I don't know, but you and I have a chance to respond to being pursued, to being loved, to be given significance and authority, to be given relationship with the Father. But now you have to make that decision for yourself. So if you're in this room or you're watching online, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? You're in this room and you say, you know what? I just realized for the first time today that I'm lost. And maybe you've been to church your whole life. And you're like the Pharisees. You're like the religious teachers of the law. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus. They knew all about him. They didn't have a relationship with him. Or maybe you're in this room and, and, and I think about uh, you, you've been notoriously sinning. Right? You've been running the opposite direction. You've been doing whatever you can. You've been, been running after the things of this world. And this is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to get is the fact that either side of the coin that you're on is that we're all lost, we're all separated, we're all far from God. But I want you to know that there is a Jesus, there is a God that, is loved, that has loved you with an everlasting love, is what the Bible says. And this is what the Bible tells us. For God so loved you that He gave His one and only Son. If you believe in Him, you will not perish but have everlasting life. This love was so great. You know how I'm so great? is that Romans 5, 8 tells us that even while we were sinning, Christ died for us. Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, and you realize today, hey, you know what, I am lost. I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but today you want to change that. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to pray something like this, but I'm going to ask you more than just, just saying words. I want you to mean it in your heart. Say something like this. Dear Jesus, I, I recognize my lostness. I recognize that I need you. Thank you for coming after me. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. And today, I give my life to you. Today, I give my spirit to you. Today, I give my sin to you. And I ask that you forgive me. Come into my life. Save me. And help me live from this point on with incredible purpose for you. And maybe you're here in this room. Or maybe you're watching online or listening to the podcast. And you just pray to receive Jesus. I want you to know that you just made the best decision 
in your life. And as this church believes, celebration is our response, all right? Celebration is the thing that we want to do. And maybe you're in this room and you just gave your heart to Jesus. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask you to take a step. It's not going to be a step up here to me. It's going to be a step up in your seat into one of the walls that are in this room because we got some people that would love to walk you through what your next steps look like. But even more so than that, to celebrate with you, uh, to give you a Bible that, that we want to give you personally, hand it to you. And we just want to say, man, good job. Way to make the best decision that you've ever made in your life by giving your life to Jesus. Come on, Purpose Church. Can we celebrate people meeting Jesus online and in this room right now? Come on. Y'all can do a little better than that. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you, if you just pray to receive Jesus, would you stand to your feet and would you move to the walls? Our team is going to move with you. Just know that you're not going to be the only one moving. Just know that. Celebration's our response. That's why we clap. That's why we celebrate. That's why we get happy. You know why? Because one person may come to Jesus. One person said yes to a relationship to God. One person was lost, but now they're found in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I love that. I love that. Come on, one more time, Purpose Church. Can we give Jesus a big ovation of worship in this place? Come on, y'all can do a little better than that. Why don't you jump up on your feet and give King Jesus a big hand? Come on, y'all can do better. There we go. I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Once you high five somebody next to you and say, listen, I love you. I'm glad you're here. Go ahead. Let them know. Let them know you're glad they're here. So thankful for you. So thankful for you guys. Well, hey, I want to just ask. We haven't done this in a while, and I'm going to ask our... um, our, our usher team is going to come forward right now, and we've got our, our giving containers, and we're going to pass those around. And I just want you to know that because of your generosity, guess what? We get to see people's lives changed. I, I, we just celebrated this last Sunday, and guys, you can go ahead and do that if you want. This last Sunday, we celebrated with our serve team. And since Purpose Church launched, I want you to understand that there have been 164 people who were lost dead in their sin, but because of a church that believed that God could save them, and because of the saving power of Jesus, 164 families, 164 eternities are now different because of Jesus and because of your generosity. Come on, can we celebrate that together? Can we put our hands together and celebrate King Jesus? I love that. I love that. And if it's your first time, I want to let you know, all we want from you is that, that connection card. That's all we're asking of you. But if you call Purpose Church home, we're just asking, would you come alongside of us as we b- believe and we live out this idea of generosity as our privilege. We're doing that. Thank you so much for your giving. If it's in offering containers, if it's online, if it's, if it's via text, Allie and I, we give online. And so if you're passing a buck, don't, don't feel uncomfortable about that. That is A-OK. We give online. We're going to pass it to the next person as well. But I just, I'm so grateful for you. Just because, again, I want to tell you about your generosity. Tomorrow, we get a chance to, to every, and I know this is fun and it's a little, a little silly, but you and your generosity get to go and feed hundreds of teachers right here in Murray and Callaway County. They've had a crazy year, had a lot going on, but you know what we get to do? We get to deliver donuts. Our outreach team is dropping donuts in the morning to every single school in Murray and Callaway County, and we prayed every one of the calories out of them. Come on, Angie. Jesus' name, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And uh, and so that's happening because of your generosity. So thank you. That's a practical way. That's a small way that you may think is small, but your generosity is making an unbelievable impact. Like I had somebody literally come up to me this morning, 
Miss Jennifer's like, yo, I hear we get some, uh, some lunch tomorrow. You're actually covering lunch tomorrow as well uh, for Callaway County Middle School since we get to use their facility. But I hear you're ha- you know, like, y'all, y'all are covering lunch for us. I'm like, yeah, also some breakfast coming at you. And again, it's because of your generosity, Purpose Church. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Because of you, I believe eternities are changed because of your generosity. So thank you for what you do. I'm going to challenge you. Bring somebody with you next week. We start a brand new series called uh, Holy Spirit. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to show you this. Uh, I got a little experiment that I want to show you on stage, kind of how to really explain that, really explain uh, what the Holy Spirit, how he's co-equal with God and Jesus, how that even works. Like, what? I don't even know that. But it's going to be so practical for your life. I can't wait for this series. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I will tell you, if you want to get plugged in at Purpose Church, there's this thing called Next that we do. Everybody shout next. Next Next is happening right after this service, all right? And so right after the service, if you got kiddos and purpose kids, check them back in and grab you some donuts, grab you some coffee. We would love to serve you. All you got to do is look for our next team outside in that little commons area holding the next sign. We would love to spend some time with you, about an hour, uh, just going over the vision of Purpose Church, what we believe. And it's really how you can join the serve team or join the church is through next. So do that today. Would you do that if you've been thinking about it for a long time? Just stay after and do that during this next experience. But man, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for being here today. I love you. Have I told you that lately? Have I told you I loved you? I spent a, a few days with some pastors and I got to thinking and praying for you guys this week. And, and uh, I just can't, I can't express to you just the privilege that it is to be able to stand before you. I don't deserve to be up here. I'm just like you. I, 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 but I feel like God has called us to do something unbelievable together. And I just, I, I was praying for you this week. I, I was away from my wife. I was praying for her. She had four babies by herself. So Lord Jesus, she needed the prayer. Uh, but I was praying for you this week, and I felt like God was just encouraged, wanted me to encourage you. And don't give up where you're at. Don't give up what God has called you to. Don't give up on the dream that God has put on the inside of you. I don't care what your age is, what your background is. God has called you to it, and he is going to see you and walk you through that if you do not give up. If you do not give up, Galatians 6, 9. Go and look it up after this service, all right? Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you so much for today. I pray you bless my friends. Keep them. I pray that you turn your face towards them, that you shine your favor upon them, and that this week, God, in the midst of finals, in the midst of that job, in the midst of family, in the midst of whatever it might be, that you would give them peace. In Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Have a great week. We love you. See you next Sunday. Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose.